listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Today, hey, Letty, today we're dealing with how to identify a false prophet. How do you identify a false prophet? I'm going to give you some, uh, some go-tos from the scripture, uh, kind of a checklist that you, can, that you can use. I might even rant a little bit because I've, I've come across some things that really are irritating to me, very irritating to me. But I'll, we'll walk through these. But, you know, the Bible, Jesus Christ himself, um, told us in the gospels that without question, there would be false prophets and false teachers. Um, Don's asking, will we have to be on at specific times for the Bible study program? The answer to that, Don, is no. Um, We will release content every week that's new that you can watch at your leisure for that week, but we will have question and answer live sessions in, in our Facebook group, our private Facebook group. And, um, when we do those, obviously, because they're live, uh, you will have to be on at a certain time for those, but that's the only thing that you'll have to be on at a certain time for the rest is going to be released every single week. And then you can take the time throughout your week to watch it whenever you have the ability. Uh, Matthew 24. I love you, Zach. Zach Wilson said, we haven't had a good Ted rate in a while. Um, Matthew 24, let me read this to you. Jesus prophesied that this was coming. And uh, the Bible says in Matthew 24, starting in verse 23, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. Or if they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the the west, so will be the coming of the son of man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And, um, I want to, I want to talk to you about how Jesus is saying that now this is, this is quite an amazing thing. Uh, if you read this verse, isn't it? Because Jesus actually says that though these will be false prophets who are coming to you, it says that they will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead a, a astray, if possible, even the elect. So Jesus is teaching that even these false prophets, even these false teachers will perform signs and wonders. So it's like, for example, if you go back to the Old Testament, right? Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh's court to tell him to let God's people go. And as a sign, um, Moses threw his staff on the ground and it became a serpent. 
But isn't it interesting to you that the, uh, the, the false, really the, they were like mages, if you will, uh, of their day, threw their staffs on the ground and they all became serpents as well. So even though they weren't anointed by God, morning Ashley, even though they weren't anointed by God and they were, you know, working magic and demonic witchcraft, isn't it interesting to you that they tried to counterfeit the signs and wonders that Moses and Aaron had done? But of course, we know the rest of the story that Moses' uh, staff went around uh, and ate all the other serpents, swallowed all of them. And, uh, and that's, that's also a principle for us that uh, God will never be outdone. And so it's interesting because, one, and I'll, I'll make mention of this later when we get into one of the points, but though they might do signs and wonders, there, they will be certain kinds of signs and wonders. And I'll explain what I mean by that uh, when we get to that point. So we know that there are false prophets uh, not coming. There have been false prophets. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if anybody else besides me has been watching, and I mean, it's been thousands of years, but, you know, it seems like they've come out of the woodwork uh, in the last few years, and everybody is now seemingly a prophet somewhere on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, whatever. And we've got we've to watch this because there's some stuff going on that is not of God. Um, Vera said, does this mean that people who teach, preach th this feathers and gold, etc., are false prophets? I mean, they're not witches or, or something. So we'll deal with that. Vera, we're going to deal with that when I come more towards the end of this, these points. So um, let's, let's, let's jump into this, but look, second Peter chapter, um, three and verse three, listen to this, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where's the promise of his coming for ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as if, as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord is as a, uh, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some of you count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So in this passage, it seems as though false teachers, false prophets, scoffers will make fun of believers who are expecting the return of Jesus Christ. Seems as though they'll make fun of them. 
Oh yeah, so where's this return of the Lord? Where's this quick return? Where's the promise that he's coming back? And it seems like they'll mock the return of Jesus Christ when the Bible's very clear that he will return. And Peter says by the Holy Spirit, it's not that he's being slow. It's that he's giving people time to repent because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so we know without question, false prophets are not coming. They've already been here and will continue to be here. Um, Again, book of Jude, Jude verse 17. But you remember, beloved, the... Uh, predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own godly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. See that? So all through the New Testament, we have these warnings that false prophets uh, are here and are coming. And so um, I want you to put this in the comment I want you to put this in the comment section. Um, false prophets are already at work. I want you to put that in the comments because I feel like there may be people who think this is just something for the last days. Meaning, when I say the last days, I mean, I know, I know that the last days began on the day of Pentecost. But I mean, in the last moments of time, you know, right before the rapture or the coming of Christ or, you know, maybe only in the tribulation, whatever it might be. Uh, people, I think people may think it's like a, a thing that's just for the very last moments. But I want you to put it in the comments. False prophets are already at work and have been at work. Been at work for thousands of years. False prophets are already at work. And so I'm dealing with this thought today. How can you identify one? Because especially now, and, and why, do you, why do I say especially now? Because especially in our generation, there is a lot being referred to as the prophetic. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but especially now in our generation, there is a lot of stuff going on that's being referred to as the prophetic. Does that mean that it all is prophetic? No. Just because somebody claims that something's prophetic doesn't mean that it actually is. Doesn't mean that it's actually prophetic or even of God at all. And so um, I want to show you this. We're going to go through a few, uh, kind of a checklist. But number one, the first thing you have to look at when you're making a determination And, you know, it's not wrong. Let let me just give you a little uh, side note here. And this is helpful to people. It's not wrong to, um, it's not wrong to judge what's being said. It's not wrong to judge what's being said. You know, one of the spiritual abuses that, that have taken place in many churches, many Christian groups, is that people feel like they can't even ask questions. People feel like if they question anything that's going on, then they're, they're deemed, you know, uh, you know, and uh, you know, you you usually have a spirit of doubt. You have a spirit of unbelief. You know, if you have any questions at all, you know, it's because you got, you got a bad spirit about what's going on in the prophetic. And 
That's not the case. Now, there are people who, who do have bad spirits or mocking spirits or, or whatever. But there are also people with genuine questions. But I should make a point here that one of the ways that ab- abuses are allowed to remain is that people that are under that manipulation. I just watched an, another video on this this last week. I, it's, it's amazing to me that people fall for this nonsense. But uh, these people that are under this manipulation are uh, verbally abused, told like, if you, don't, if you don't believe everything that's coming out, you have a problem, you have a demon. The reason you don't believe it, you have a demon. And you look at some of the stuff that's going on, it's not scriptural at all. It's not scriptural at all. You know, I think one of the benefits of being able to sit under my father's ministry is that I've been able to see the true gifts of the spirit at work. I've been able to see the true uh, word of knowledge at work, which gives you a strong distaste for what's fake and what is uh, just made up, if you will. You know, I've seen what specific words of knowledge. We've experienced them in our ministry as well. Specific words of knowledge and prophecy, things like that. So when you see people that call themselves that they're operating in the prophetic, you know, and and everything that they say is, is super, you know, general, you know, it's like any, what you just said to that person could be said about anybody pretty much in the world. I see that at some point in your life, you, you dealt with a hurt. It's like, yes, that's all of us. (laughs) I see that at some point in your life, you, you dealt with a hurt. Yes. Yes, I did. It's like, it's like going up to somebody's like, the Lord shows me that at some point you had a mother. Is this true? Yes. Yes, it is true. At some point I did have a mother. Um, but you know, seeing the, the real, seeing what God truly does through his gifts of the spirit, it gives you a distaste for, uh, the phony, the fake, those that are making it up, those that are doing it uh, for manipulation purposes. And there's plenty of those, plenty of those. And so uh, you have to watch these things. And, and the reason I wanted to say this, it's not wrong to judge what's being said. It is not wrong to judge what's being said. It's not wrong to judge what's being done. And I don't mean judge it in like a judgmental, I don't mean it in a critical spirit sense. I don't mean that you walk around church with a critical spirit ready to criticize everybody. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm, what I'm teaching is everything that takes place, everything that happens, right? It should be weighed against the word of God. Everything that is said, everything that is done should be weighed against the word of God. Because remember, the word of God is the only objective truth. It's the only one. It's the only thing that we know is absolutely, unequivocally true. And so if something that is said, whether it's taught, preached, prophesied, or something that is done in manifestation, whatever, is not something that, uh, number one, can be found in God's word, or something that contradicts God's word, 
then obviously we don't receive it. We don't receive it. Now, here is the, here's the thing that really uh, you have to watch. And you have to keep an eye on this. And I mean like seriously keep an eye on it. Because uh, we want, remember this, um, I want you to put it in the comments even. We want the manifestations of God. Put that in the comments. We want the manifestations of God. I want to see God's spirit move. I want to see the gifts of the spirit in operation. I want to see prophecy. I want to see tongues and interpretation and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. I want to see healings and miracles and the gift of faith at work. I want to see all these things. So put it in the comments. We want to see the manifestations of God. We're not trying to reject them. We want them. We want what's real. We want the true. And I'm not one of these guys that's like, well, I believe they happen, but it's once in a blue moon. No, I don't believe that. I believe they're happening and they can happen all the time and everywhere. And so, so watch this now, because this is the thing we have to guard against because we want to know what is true, but at the same time, we want to guard ourselves against what's false. But, but here, here's what's hard sometimes for people. We don't ever want to allow ourselves to get to the place that we're so guarded against what, what could be false that we never allow the true spirit of God to move. And let me tell you, that becomes the major um, roadblock in most churches. That's the major roadblock. And, and if you've seen it, uh, pastors, ministers become so wary of something weird happening that they just cut it out altogether. You know, there's plenty of churches that have done this that used to be Pentecostal churches, but they saw so much weird stuff going on that they just cut it out altogether. We don't speak in tongues in our Sunday morning services. You know, we don't do that. That's, that's where they go with it. We don't speak in tongues in our Sunday. We don't allow people to give up, get up and give words of prophecy or tongues into it. We don't allow it in our services. Well, you've got a problem now because the Bible says don't, uh, I'm in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, by the way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, don't quench the spirit. That's verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. We're not to forbid speaking in tongues, the Bible says. So if we're not supposed to despise prophecies, then what do we do? Well, it answers us right in the same verse. But test, the next verse, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Interesting, right? That's like, that's like the Bible's way of saying, eat the meat, spit out the bones. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Test everything and then hold fast to what is good. So how do you test everything? That's the question that people, most, most people get hung up on. How do you test these things? Well, you can test them by looking at the word of God and seeing if they align themselves with, with God's word. And then if you can find these things in God's word and you test it and there's nothing wrong like with being a, a Christian like the Bereans were that checked the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. That's what the Bible says in the book of Acts. The Berean Christians, and they checked the scriptures daily 
to see if these things were so. It's all right to check back to the scripture and see if this is scriptural or not. It's like my father was in a, in a service one time and uh, somebody stood up to give a word in the church and said, do not be afraid, says the Lord your God. For even I, the Lord your God, am afraid sometimes. <laughs> it's like, eh, that might, may not be the Lord. You have God telling us that there are times when he's in fear. <laughs> For even I, the Lord your God, am afraid sometimes. Yeah, that probably wasn't the Holy Ghost. But you know, here's the problem, is that a couple weird things like that happen, and then uh, you know, people cut the whole thing out. Well, we're not doing anything else like that ever again. We're not having that in our church. They cut it out. Or on the other side, what'll happen, you have weird stuff go on, but nobody corrects it. So the church just becomes like a hotbed of weirdos that are just doing whatever they want, whenever they want. Whatever they want, whenever they want. Well, obviously there's, there's a, a, a middle ground there, which is strong leadership should make corrections where corrections are necessary and allow the spirit to move when the spirit is moving. It's like Brother Hagin said one time, I'll never forget this. He told one of his staff members who got up to give an exhortation and felt as though they stepped out in faith, gave the, a word and they missed it. It was not, they, they totally missed it. And they felt so bad, so bad. And they came back to him after the service and were apologizing. I'm so sorry, I missed it. And he said, no. He said, I would rather that you step out by faith and do what you believe God's asked you to do. And then he said this, which I'll never forget. He said, there's nothing that you can do on this platform that I can't correct. Meaning, you're safe in knowing that you can step out by faith, you can do what you feel the Lord's asked you to do, and listen, if you miss it, as people can do, we're human, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're finite in our wisdom, uh, people miss it from time to time. He said, if you do, I can come right behind you and correct it from the word of God. And if a person's humble, nobody's offended, Nobody's, you know, all broken up and feel like they failed God, you know? And so he said, there's nothing you can do from this platform that I can't correct. Well, that's what a strong leader will do. A strong leader will bring correction where correction's necessary. In fact, you know, that's what the Bible teaches that the purpose of being equipped by the word of God is so that you can bring encouragement, exhortation, correction, reproof right? And be fully equipped for the work of God. So that's what the word of God's for. It's one of the things the word of God's for. And before I give you these markers that, we're, that I'm going to give you, uh, let's ask ourselves the questions. How, how do you stay safe from this kind of stuff? How do you stay safe from false prophets, false teachers, and false prophecy? Well, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And here is how you protect yourself from falling into or falling prey to false teachers, false prophets, 
false prophecy, false teaching. Um, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 14, the Bible says, remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Verse 15, do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed by what? Rightly handling the word of truth. Look at that. By rightly handling the word of truth, which by the way, is what we're getting ready to do in Bible study made simple. This is the thing that Paul commanded Timothy and all Christians to be able to do, to rightly handle the word of truth. That's what we're going to teach you to do beginning at the end of this month, beginning of April. We're going to show you how to rightly handle the word of truth, how to be able to look back at the word of God and say, this is what the Holy Spirit meant when this was written. This is the intention of God in giving us this passage of scripture. That's what we're getting ready to jump into. And Paul said, this is the thing that keeps you safe from false teaching, false prophecy, false prophets, false teachers, is that you personally are able to rightly divide and rightly interpret, it's a better way to say it, to rightly interpret the word of God. And you know, that isn't, wasn't that one of the most powerful things of the Reformation, right? In the 1500s, is that when you look back at the Reformation, one of the things that was made available that had never been available before, if you think about it, is that you go over to Germany and you have all these Catholic churches and around the world, you have all of these Catholic churches that the priest would give the word of God to the people. But the common man couldn't read the word of God and did not have the word of God. Think about that. At a time when the common man couldn't read the word of God, even if they did have it, but didn't even have it. And so you had all of the uh, scripture that was in the Latin Vulgate. You know, there were still obviously Greek and Hebrew manuscripts, but Latin. Nobody was, the common man wasn't reading Latin. And so you've, you've got all these people that all have to depend on one man to give them the word of God. It's a bottleneck. It's a bottleneck. And Martin Luther said, you know what? Not only are we going to bring reformation to the church, but, and, and there were people that were killed for this, we are going to begin to print the Bible in the language of the common man. This was a turnaround. This was a huge, huge event in the history of the Christian church. When men decided, as I believe empowered by God, we're going to provide the word of God. You know, it's, it's, it was kind of a perfect storm because the printing press was being developed as well. And so you had the printing press that was coming on the scene. And then you had Martin Luther who had to get all this literature out and then begin to get the Bible out and, and all this. And people were, there was such persecution when the Bible started to be printing, printed uh, in, in, uh, in the natural or the common language. And this was a turnaround because now people could have the Bible for themselves. So what does that mean? 
I can read it. I can understand it. I can interpret it. And then I can see truly what is true and what's false. How we're being manipulated, how we're being controlled, and what God's word actually says, which was the case back then. This is why it's so powerful. And so Paul teaches Timothy that every Christian should be able to rightly handle or interpret the word of God, right? So let me give you this, this checklist now. So a few questions you need to ask yourself when uh, you're dealing with this. Is this person a false teacher, false prophet, or is this person truly teaching the word of God? First of all, what do they teach about Jesus? Thank you, Janine. Put it in the comments. Number one, what do they teach about Jesus? As Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? So what do they teach about him? See, one of the ways that you can identify false religions is what they say about Jesus. You know, you've probably heard people say, well, you know, uh, you know Islam and, uh, and Judaism and Christianity really all stem from, you know, the same origins. You know, people try to say that as the, though they're, they're just offshoots uh, of the same source religion. Couldn't be any further from the truth. Couldn't be any further from the truth. And being an Orthodox Jew is not anywhere close to the same as being a New, Te- New Testament Christian. <clears throat> not anywhere close to it. So, well, we, you know, this, this really came out of Judaism, and so it's very, very similar. It's not at all similar. It is as different as night and day. Different as night and day. And you have to look at what do these religions teach about Jesus? Well, Islam, though they may admit that Jesus is a prophet, they would never say that he was the son of God and that he was God in the flesh. They would never, that would be heresy to a Muslim to declare that Jesus was the son of God and that Jesus was God in the flesh. Heresy to a Muslim. In fact, they will teach you that Jesus is coming back again to tell everybody that Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet. And so it's false. Jews would not even teach about or mention Jesus. They don't teach about Jesus. They don't believe he's the Messiah. So it comes down to that. They say that I am. They don't believe he's the Messiah. In fact, I was talking to a a Jewish woman last night who is from Israel, now lives here in Florida. Then we were talking, we were discussing the Hebrew language, we were discussing the Hebrew scriptures. And one of the things that uh, she said, of course, growing up uh, uh, Jewish, she said, you know, the rabbis would never, ever talk about Jesus. They would never teach about him. They'd never talk about him. They said for the rabbis, Jesus would be as, as fake as Harry Potter, like fiction, total fiction. You know, they may, they may admit that he lived in that time. They may admit that he was, that he was alive, but there will be no teaching about Jesus, you know, because he's not specifically mentioned like that in the Old Testament and everything, which is the, the Jewish scripture. And so they, he, she was going through all that. So no, of course, the Jews are not going to uh, uh, identify Christ as the Messiah, and they're not going to talk about Jesus at all. Uh, but also, on top of that, uh, they're definitely not going to say that 
salvation only comes through Christ and the, and the redemptive plan of God through Christ. But then you get into people that claim, you know, here's, here's what's crazy. They don't say anything, Bonnie. They don't talk about Jesus. They don't talk about Jesus. They still keep the law. They're still keeping the law. They're still doing what Old Testament Jews did. And the crazy thing is when you get into modern day people that claim to be doing things on behalf of Christ. There was an African minister that was very, very well known, very well known. And if I said his name, most likely there would be a group of you that knew who he was. He's passed away now, but very well known. And he was challenged by other uh, Christian ministers in his nation in Africa, I believe in Nigeria, and um, you know to publicly say because he would say all these signs and wonders were happening, he would say all these demons are coming out and all this, and people would would challenge him. Holy Ghost ministers would challenge him. Just say Jesus is Lord. Just say it. Just say Jesus is Lord, and he would never say it. He was challenged on national television to just say Jesus is Lord, you know, and would not say it. So you have to ask yourself, what, who do they say Jesus is? What are they saying about Jesus? What do they preach about Jesus? You know, it's a sad thing. And of course, we want to see celebrities saved. We want to see everyone saved that can be saved. But sometimes we pull so hard um, for somebody that we like that's a celebrity that, oh man, you know, it's, it's almost like there's this thing where it's like there's a hype in the church when like a, a celebrity is getting close to being saved or says they acknowledge Jesus or, or whatever that might be. And then you got to listen to what they're saying because they might say that they believe in Jesus or that they're somehow a Christian. But then what do they say about Jesus? It's like Oprah, you know, Oprah for years, people, uh, you know, talk about that. And then they're like, oh yeah, you know, Oprah believes in Jesus. Yeah, but listen to what she says. She says, there's no way possible that Jesus is the only way to heaven. She said that publicly. There's no way Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's just one interpretation by one group of people, uh, you know, that that is their way to enlightenment or their way to truth. But for others, it might be Allah. It might be Muhammad. For others, it might be Buddha. For others... And we're all, and then you get one of these kinds of statements. You know, we're all climbing up the same mountain. We're just climbing up different sides of the mountain and we have different perspectives. But really it's all the same mountain. And when we get to the top, we'll all recognize that we were all climbing the same mountain just from a different side, which is as false as false can be. It's as demonic as demonic can be. Jesus didn't say, I am one of many ways to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, get this now, no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. That's why the famous, famously, Josh McDowell uh, said that Jesus has to be one of three things. He has to be a liar, he has to be a lunatic, or he has to be the Lord. If you ever uh, have read any of any of his writings, that's that's one of his famous uh, propositions. Jesus either has to be a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord, because he either was knowingly lying, or he was crazy, 
didn't know what he was talking about, or he truly was the Lord that he claimed to be. Has to be one of the three. And so to say, well, you know, I affirm Christians, you know, Christianity's good and that's their way to truth, but you know, Jesus is not the only way. Well, then he's not a good man at all because he claimed to be the only way. He claimed to be the son of God and the only way to heaven. So you can't say, well, you know, I affirm Christians, but I just, you know, obviously Jesus is not the only way. Well, he claimed to be, so he's either a liar, he's crazy, or he truly is the Lord. So you can't mesh these things. And a lot of times what you'll see is that people will, these false teachers, false prophets, they will not push people back to Jesus. You'll find that it's all about them. It's all about them. It's all about who they are. It's all about their plan. It's not God's plan. It's their plan. And that's how cults get started, by the way, if you didn't know. That's how cults get started. It's not by what these nut jobs say that have never understood what a cult truly is. You know, they go into a church that's Pentecostal. Seems like a cult to me. You don't even know how to define a cult. You don't even know what a cult is. We're not following a man. We're following Christ and the teachings of Christ. And so the first question you have to ask yourself is, what are they teaching about Jesus? What have you heard them teach about Jesus? Are they even teaching Jesus? Yeah, that's, that's, that's something that needs to be addressed. Are they even teaching Jesus? Second question is, do they truly teach and believe the gospel? That's the other thing. Do, the other, do they truly teach and believe the gospel? Let me read you something that'll shake you up. Uh, go with me to Galatians chapter 1. You know, the gospel must be preached, the Bible says. And no one can be saved unless the gospel is preached to them. Right? And so there's a demonic push to get people away from the gospel message. You say, well, what is the gospel message defined? Very simple. It is the birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel truly is. I know people get thrown off by that because, you know, they think anything preached from the Bible is the gospel. That's not true. The gospel is a very specific message, very specific message. And so uh, the gospel message is the birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And the purpose of the gospel is that men everywhere are called to repent, men and women, called to repent, turn from their wickedness, and to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ by grace through faith. We're, we're to receive the gospel message confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart God raised him from the dead. It's always weird to me when you've got these people that are, that are so deep spiritually that no one's ever being saved in their services. That's to me. Now, I understand that there, there are, you move beyond salvation. Paul said, can we move on from the elementary teachings about Christ? You mature believers, you disciple believers. I get all that. I get that the kingdom of God, but you have to be saved to be in the kingdom. It is God's primary thrust in the earth. 
And anybody that teaches you that it's not the primary thrust, this is not me speaking as an evangelist. This is me speaking as somebody that's got a logical functioning brain. That the primary thrust of what God did in the earth was to bring people into the kingdom of God, to regenerate them from death unto life. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whole purpose of Jesus coming is to see people brought out of sin and into the kingdom of God. And no, it doesn't stop there. It continues on. They, they grow in faith. They grow in maturity. They hear the full gospel preached. But you have to start, obviously, with people being saved. And, and if I always wonder, these guys, they, they tout themselves, we're so spiritual, so powerful, so anointed, so many manifestations taking place, but nobody's being saved. That always, to me, is a marker How come you're not preaching the gospel? What do you think? It's a lesser message than some deep revelation that you got? Some deep revelation that you got. One of the things I'm going to be showing you in the Bible Study Made Simple course is that the purpose of studying the scripture is not to find some unique, one-of-a-kind revelation that no one's ever had before about the Bible. I feel like preachers think that that's the key. Find a unique revelation that nobody's ever had before. That's not the purpose of studying the Bible. In fact, most likely, if you discovered some unique reading, some unique revelation that no one's ever had before in church history, it is most likely error. It is most likely false. (laughs) I can just tell you that for sure. Because that's not the purpose of studying the Bible. That's not the purpose of dividing scripture to discover some hidden thing, some hidden meaning. If nobody in church history has ever discovered it before, probably a sign that what you're teaching is not the proper interpretation of scripture. And so that's not the, that is not the goal of going deep in scripture. I've got a word for you that no one's ever had in the 2000 years of the Christian church. It's like, yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. And people are so spiritual. They're so anointed. They're so powerful. They're so, they've got so many manifestations happening. But where, where are the, how come no one's being saved? How come the very basic thing, I'm talking about New Testament believers, because you can make all the arguments you want about, well, there were powerful Old Testament men of God that never saw anyone saved. That's because it was the Old Testament, genius. It was the Old Testament There's a reason that there's an old covenant and a new covenant. No one could be saved in the Old Testament. That's why even Abraham's faith had to be counted to him as righteousness. He couldn't be righteous, couldn't have righteousness. So he had to put it in an account until the day that he could have it. It's like a trust fund. Well, there were powerful men in the Old Testament that never saw anybody saved. Yes, you couldn't be saved. But once you came into the new covenant... You can be saved and people should be saved. And anywhere, let me point this out, anywhere powerful men of God went, people were saved. People were saved. Anywhere they went, it was a marker. I always look at people's ministry, at the fruit of their ministry. Say, are they preaching the gospel? Are they preaching the gospel? 
So the, fr- f- the number two is the fruit of their ministry. Number one is what do they say about Jesus? Number two, what is the fruit of their ministry? Right? So the fruit of their ministry. Why is nobody being saved? You know, why is nobody being healed? Why are, th- why are there no redemptive aspects to the fruit of your ministry? That's what I always ask myself. If you're so spiritual, if you're so anointed, if you're so powerful, why are there no manifestations of God's presence that we see in Scripture? How come you don't have those? Why is it always something that nobody can actually see? I just came to tell you there was a shift in the supernatural. Tonight, I'm telling you, after this service came to an end, there was a shift. What the H does that even mean? By H, I mean heck. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? Tonight, I came to tell somebody there was a shift. What in the world does that even mean? It's always, it's always very, uh, it's always very convenient that whatever thing they said took place cannot be uh, seen, judged, or brought back to Scripture. Now, I'm not talking about prophecy, things that are going to come to pass in the future, because prophecy is something the Bible teaches. But I mean, you've seen it, I've seen it. People saying stuff, doing stuff, and it's like, dude, what is that? What's the fruit of the ministry? Why is there no actual fruit to your ministry? Where, where, where do we categorize you? Like, what's actually going on with what you're doing for the Lord? Yes, I understand if your church is full of saved people, but remember, Nancy, they shouldn't be the last people that ever come into your church. And I'm not, I'm not advocating for every Sunday morning service to turn, turn into an evangelistic crusade. But I'm talking about specifically these uh, prophets and those, especially if they're itinerants. Like, what are you doing? Now, if you are truly prophesying, good. That is a sign of a, of a prophet. You should prophesy. But look at the prophets in Scripture. Miracles and signs and wonders followed their ministries. And they were actual redemptive miracles that brought help and healing uh, to those that they were ministering to. So we look, are they preaching the gospel message? Are they preaching the gospel message? I always wonder when there's always some weird message being preached. Let me just plainly say something to you in this broadcast. And that is, if everything being preached by a person, taught by a person, is some weird spiritual thing that cannot be found in Scripture, be very careful, be wary. In fact, I would tell you, leave them all, leave them behind. Leave them behind. It's like, why are you having to search through Jewish rabbinical folklore and literature to come up with your messages and series? When did the Bible not become enough for you? Why do you have to put some spin on scripture that was found in, you know, extra biblical rabbinical writings from the Jewish community, you know, that some, some kind of folklore, well, this is what they believed about this demon spirit that was roaming through the earth. And then you do a whole teaching on some demon spirit that was identified by Jewish rabbis in folklore. Instead of like what teaching something found in the Bible, why has that become, I mean, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm like blown away. And so I look, I look at these things. I'm like, 
Why are you even teaching on that? First of all, I've been, in, I've been a Christian for my entire life. I've read the Bible as long as I could read. I have no idea what you're even talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, it, it makes no sense. It's like, well, you know, why do you always have to direct people to, to extra biblical books? Why do you have to always direct people towards uh, secrets you found in the apocryphal books of the Bible? It's like, there's something up with you. Always trying to find a demon, a demon's name. Always trying to deal with a demon host. You know, it's like, there was only one time in the entire Bible that Christ or the apostles or the early church tried to locate the name of a demon. It was Jesus in Mark chapter 5. And once he got the information, he didn't even do anything with it. He didn't start some weird, like, demon naming scroll that everybody started to recognize. We need to start writing the names of these demons down. Because I'm telling you right now, these demons are flying over Galilee and we need to pull them down out of the sky. You know, it, that's not happening. And people get so caught up in the demonic that they miss what the Holy Spirit is doing. Always watch people that are more interested in the demonic than they are in the Holy Ghost. That Let that be a life lesson. Let that be something you mark in your spirit. Always watch people that are more interested in the demonic than they are in what the Holy Ghost is doing in the church. Because you've got a, a weird predisposition with darkness and demons. Very weird. And it gets, it gets to the point of idolatry almost. It's weird. And I feel like, especially in social media age, people feel like they need to have some weird uh, uh, subject matter to draw in viewers. We're going to be lear- we're going to learn how to untether you from the succubus demon that's been sneaking in your window at night and secretly having sex with you. It's like people teach that stuff. They teach that stuff, and you need to watch it. Number one, what do they say about Jesus? Number two, what, what is the fruit of their ministry? And then number three, what's the fruit of their life? What's the fruit of their life? That's the second, that's the third thing. Do they exhibit those character qualities that glorify the Lord? Look at, uh, back to the book of Jude, right before Revelation. Listen to this. Interesting. The Bible says, Speaking of these who blaspheme all, they do not understand. Verse 11 says, woe to them. By the way, that woe, the reason they even leave those in these modern translations of the Bible, though we don't really say that anymore, like woe unto you. I read one Bible translator said the reason we leave that into the modern, even the modern translations is because it was the heaviest pronouncement of judgment that could be verbally uh, laid upon someone when Jesus would say, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you know, woe unto you. That was like the heaviest judgment verbally that could be laid on somebody, the heaviest rebuke. And there was not really a way to bring it into English with another term that would carry as heavy of a rebuke as the woe that Jesus would deal out or that the apostles would deal out. So they'd leave it. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. Hmm. So think about this. Two things. Have they taken the way of Cain? Well, what's the way of Cain? The way of Cain 
pride, rejection of God's plans for their plans. Number one, are they filled with pride? You know, humility, meekness truly will be a sign of men and women of God. Humility, weakness, a meekness is not weakness. So what are we teaching? We're teaching that if you are proud, the Bible says God opposes the proud. But what does he do? Gives more grace to the humble. If you see somebody that's constantly living in pride, operating in pride, you can say God's, God's actually working against them. Anybody that I've seen, there was a very popular minister over the last, I don't know how many years, and he was everywhere. He was everywhere. I'm telling you. He was on every television network. He was preaching every conference. He was everywhere. And I'm telling you, he was so full of pride. It was insane. So full of pride. And I told people back then, I said, I hope he changes that. I really hope that he gets that together because that's going to be, and of course he started off very young, uh, ministering. And I said, man, that's going to be, that's going to be like a problem. That's going to be like a serious problem. If he doesn't get that in check, it will end him. And I'm telling you just as quickly as he rose to prominence, just as quickly as he was in every conference and every television network and at every church and all over the place, just as quickly he disappeared from sight. And just as quickly where you saw him everywhere before, he is nowhere to be found except his own social media platforms. He is nowhere to be found. And I thought to myself, that's insane to me that he was, he was like flying so high he was everywhere doing everything, but he never treated people right. He'd speak to people arrogantly and out of pride. He would mistreat people. He would, I mean, all the different things you could say. And it was sad to see. But as Lenan put in the comments, the Bible says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And just as quickly as he rose, he fell. Just as quickly as he rose, he fell. Because he never corrected the pride. And then on top of that, he, he was discovered to be, and he calls himself a prophet, but he, he was discovered to, to be uh, prophesying the same things that were said by a medium or a witch. And it's a sad thing, but it, 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 it's something that if you don't correct pride in your life, Pride will destroy your life. That's the spirit of Cain. Disregarded God's way, instituted their own. The other thing is greed. Talking about Balaam, who was prophesying for money. Prophesying for money. The king, the evil king paid him to prophesy. And we've got prophetic pimps that are in the body of Christ. And we hope they're still in the body of Christ. We're praying that they remain in the body of Christ and don't go to hell. Prophesying for money. And that's not scriptural. So it is to, when you see that, you know, if you sow $1,000, I have a special prophecy for you. I've seen it. I have a special word for those that'll sow 1000 Now, if you sow 10000 I've got a deep heavenly word, a deep heavenly word for you. And I want the people that are sowing 10,000 to come stand right here 
I have a deep heavenly word just for you. Those that are suing a thousand, I have a, a deep word for you. I've seen it. I have seen it. And it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. You don't have to pay for a word from God. Wilson said prophetic pimping ain't easy. I've seen people on television. You have to call in. You got to give them your debit or credit card number. After you sow your uh, seed, then he'll give you a word. Then he'll give you a prophecy. And I'm just telling you, Vera said she's seen the same. If you make, you make a prophecy appointment for $100 each, well, those ones are getting off cheap. <laughs> the prophecy appointment for $100, they're not getting that deep of a word. <laughs> That's what will carry you to Wednesday, from Sunday to Wednesday. But you got to get that next one. But I'm telling you, it's there. And it's a spirit that is false. And the Bible uh, condemns it just like Balaam was condemned. Just like Balaam was condemned. And of course, rebellion. Korah's promotion of himself over Moses. Jesus said, not only should you beware of them, but we're, we're to avoid people like that. Avoid people like that. So what's the fruit of their ministry, but then what's the fruit of their life? Is it pride? Is it greed? Is it rebellion? Right? And then finally, let me, let me deal with this before, we do it, before, I, before I pray for you today. The final thing is this. What about these manifestations? Somebody asked about it earlier. What about these manifestations? What do you deal with? You got these manifestations that are like, people see them and they're like, man, that's like a miracle sign and a wonder. What's up with that? And you're like, man, I just saw gold dust. I was up there and the gold dust showing up at the ministry. Uh, man, I saw feathers. There were feathers flying around. <laughs> like, probably had pigeons in the roof. I don't know what was going on. Feathers, bro. We had feathers showing up. Okay. Yeah. We had, we had gold dust showing up. We had jewels falling. We had people's teeth start turning gold. Okay. To what end? See, the thing I want to deal with, for example, what, even, even, even things that are amazing, you know, it's like, I'm not talking about like Lucy Rael style crazy stuff that was proven to be false. I mean like actual things that are quite amazing. I've seen, I've seen preachers that'll call somebody out and give them their bank card number. Say like, now this is your bank card number. If you pulled it out of your pocket, it's 3751-6892 and they'll list the whole thing. People pull it out and it's like, this is exactly right. Okay. Powerful. But to what end? What's the redemptive value of that? Did someone get saved? Did someone get healed? Did someone get baptized in the Holy Ghost? Was, some, was somebody financially blessed? Right, as Ashley said, even if it did happen, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? See, the whole thing is, God gave us his word, God gave us his spirit to bring about actual redemptive change in the world. An actual redemptive change. People should be getting saved. Here's the question, and I'm, I know I'm ranting, but let me just get into it. Why are we more enamored with manifestations that don't even show up in the Bible 
as we are, than we are with manifestations that we saw in Jesus' ministry, in the apostles' ministry, in the early church and their ministries. What's the point? Well, the thing is, Vera, as I said earlier, um, I understand God can do things that are signs, wonders, but one thing I know about God is that when he does something, it's to bring a change and a redemptive work to someone's life. So even if God did manifest gold dust, to what end? That's, that's exactly what I'm asking. What is the point of that happening? Even if God does let feathers fall, which it's not in the Bible, neither is gold dust. It's not in the Bible. I was like listening to a guy on, 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 the, uh, inst- on Instagram the other day trying to explain why gold dust was showing up. And he was trying to be like super hip and cool about it. He was like, you know, when we see these gold dust manifestations, guys, you got to keep in mind, it's just God saying to us, guys, this is just asphalt. You know, because the streets in heaven are gold. Guys, this is just asphalt to me. It's like, okay, whatever. To what end? What's the purpose? Is it causing people to be saved? Is it, now listen, if you had a manifestation and it's causing people to run to the altar and to repent from their sin and to give, it's like, great, great. People are being saved. That's in the scripture. Or all of a sudden, yeah, exactly, AJ. I mean, I think these thoughts, it's like, if it's real gold dust, here's something that could happen. How about this? Lord, please, instead of gold dust, how about dropping gold nuggets? Or gold coins that we could actually sell and pay off credit card debt, be debt free, give into the kingdom, finance the ministry, finance missionaries, see souls saved instead of the dust. Because the dust takes too long to gather. So can't we just, how do you know it wasn't like Sister Lucy's uh, glitter I mean, you know, on, on her makeup? I, you know what I'm saying? It's like, Lord, if you can do gold dust, please. Gold nuggets, gold coins, gold bars, though it may hurt someone's head when it falls from heaven. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why not that? Why won't it bring a redemptive end? You know God wants you to be free even from being a borrower who is servant to the lender. So don't you think that God wants to bring people out of debt? Of course he does. So God in his infinite wisdom, why would he just give us gold dust and if it truly was a manifestation, why wouldn't he do something that's going to bring a redemptive end to his people? Feathers. Feathers were falling, brother. Okay. Okay. To what end? What's the deal with the feathers? <laughs> Without trying to sound like Seinfeld, it's like, what's the deal with the feathers? <laughs> In all seriousness. It's like, what, what did that do? Did it cause people to be saved? Did it cause people to be healed? Did it cause people to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Were people delivered from drugs or other addictions? Well, I mean, what did it, what did it cause? What did it cause? Right? And so, you have to ask yourself, when I'm watching these things, when I'm watching these things, why do we not see things found in the Bible? You know, I've, I, I know of, of miracle manifestations, right? 
I know of the, the story of, for example, uh, that preacher who I've shared this story with you before that my grandfather knew that they had a supernatural manifestation of fire burning in the balcony of their church. And it lasted there for months and months and months. Just a manifestation of fire. Didn't burn up the church, didn't burn up the balcony. It was just like, sort of like the burning bush experience where the fire burnt, but nothing was consumed. And of course it caused revival. You know, it's one thing when there's a manifestation that takes place and it causes people to come to Christ. Causes people to be healed. Causes people to be delivered. That's a whole nother thing because it's a redemptive end. You have to ask yourself, what is God doing through this? You know, I always, I always get very, very uh, guarded about people that are more excited about stuff that's not found in the Bible. It's like that says something to me about you as a minister. If I'm watching you in your quote-unquote prophetic ministry, if you are more enamored with that stuff than you are with the actual manifestations of God's power, then I, I have questions about you. I have questions about you. <laughs> it's like people that have an issue. You know, they may have an issue with how... Uh, 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 there, there's people, obviously, that have an issue with how genuine, unique men of God operate that are truly men of God. You think there's people that haven't had issue with how my father has ministered? Or people that have had issues about how Dr. Rodney Howard Brown has ministered or, you know, any of us in our family, other ministers, they didn't like the way it happens. Well, I don't like that people laugh at Dr. Rodney's meetings. Okay, well, come back and talk to me when you've seen as many people saved and brought into the kingdom of God as he has in his ministry. Come back and talk to me when you've seen as many people touched by the Holy Spirit and baptized in the Holy Ghost as you have in his ministry. Come back and talk to me then. So I don't like the way your father preaches. I don't like the way that he lays hands on people. I don't like the way that, okay, well, come back and talk to me when you've seen as many creative physical miracles as he's had, which is a sign of God's moving. It's not, and that's what I wanted to get to at the end of this is that the devil can't do these things. The devil cannot deliver people from addictions. The devil cannot heal sicknesses and diseases. The devil cannot bring deliverance to the captives. He cannot do it. Recovering of sight to the blind. He cannot do it. The devil cannot baptize people in the Holy Ghost. Cannot happen. In fact, especially with the healing miracles, let me, let me tell you something that'll really help you. When John's disciples came to see Jesus, they said, are you truly the one that we've been waiting for? Or are we waiting for someone else? And Jesus told them, go back and tell John the things you've seen and heard. The blind see, the deaf hear. He started going off and talking about what? His healing miracles. Now, what was he trying to attest to? What were they asking? Are you the Messiah? That was the question. Are you truly the Son of God? What was Jesus' answer? Go tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the deaf hear, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. What was he pointing to? Healing miracles as the proof he was the son of God. So if the devil 
could produce healing miracles, which he cannot, then what was the point of Jesus saying, of course I'm the, I'm the Messiah, look at the miracles I've performed. Look, AJ puts John 14, 11 in the comments uh, as well. Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So he said, if you don't believe what I'm saying, at least believe what I'm doing. So if the devil could do the same things, Jesus would not have used it as proof that he was the son of God and the Messiah. And so we know very clearly that the devil cannot do these things, cannot do these things. So it's always interesting to me when people are going off on all these other little things that they got going on, but how come no actual redemptive things are taking place? Where's the salvation? Where's the healing? Where's the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Where's the deliverance? Where's the true work of God in those ministries? Forget the feathers. Forget the dust. Forget the rose of Sharon smell. Forget all, you know, forget all the other stuff. And where is the actual manifestation? The redemptive manifestation that Christ is bringing to pass through the Holy Spirit. I watch these things, and you should too. You should too. Number one, what do they teach about Jesus? Number two, do they preach the gospel? What's the fruit of their ministry? Number three, what's the fruit of their life? Number four, what kind of manifestations does their ministry produce? Amen. That's why you never see me posting stuff on my social media at our revivals. You never see me posting stuff about, I'm going to tell you tonight, I just, a fragrance came in the room. A fragrance entered into that room. And I'm telling you, it was the lily of the valley. It was the rose of Sharon. It's like, you're never going to see me post that stuff. You will never see me post about gold dust showing up at my meetings. You'll never see feathers. You're never going to see gems. If you're going to see gems, it's because people got blessed financially and went out and bought themselves some gems. They're wearing jewels that they bought because they walked into the overflow. It's not going to be because somebody had a gem show up in their ear. Oh my goodness. It's a topaz. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm looking for actual, anybody that's a genuine man or woman of God, they're looking to do what Jesus did, what the apostles did, what the early church did. And that's what we're believing God for. You know, somebody was recently, I, I dealt with this on a broadcast, but it's like, if you're a Bible school student, stop trying to do weird stuff. Right, Alex. And behold, seven angels were dancing around the altar, singing Ring Around the Rosie. Exactly. Stop being weird. Stop it. It's like, dude, can't, I can't deal with this stuff anymore. It's getting too insane. Too insane. What kind of manifestations does their ministry produce? Why is it always something weird? How come, it, how come what Jesus did is not enough for you? How come what the apostles did is not enough for you? How come what the early church did is not enough for you? Why is what the church fathers did not enough for you? We're going to another level, brother. I'm telling you, by the time we're done, everybody in here is going to have solid gold underwear. I don't, I don't get it. Why have we fallen away from our interest in what Jesus did? 
Look at, the, look at the scripture. Look at the word of God. Look at what they celebrated. Look at what they were doing. And then ask yourself, why is there so much hype around such weird, weird stuff going on? And then avoid it. And get I'm not saying, I said that earlier, Tara, I'm not saying that God can't do a sign and a wonder. But the point that you have to always remember, Tara, is that if God does a sign or a wonder, you have to ask yourself, for what purpose? Why? For what purpose? You say, well, so people could know he's real. What do you do when it's a church full of people that are already saved and filled with the Holy Ghost? Many of these charismatic meetings, there's no sinners even there. So God put gold dust on their hands so that they could know he's real. They all already believe he's real. Feathers showed up. Why? So we, so we could know the Holy Spirit is here. I already know he's here. He doesn't have to drop feathers on me. For example, by the way, he's not a bird. The Holy Spirit, I know I'm blowing people's minds right now. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. As much as people want to draw doves and stuff. The Bible just says he descended like a dove would descend. Didn't say he was a dove. It said he descended in the same way that a dove would descend. Holy Spirit is not. Oh, I've seen it, Rachel. Rachel said, I've seen people set up with a sign saying free prophecies, saying they're practicing their accuracy. Oh, I've been in services. I've seen people say, everybody find somebody in the sanctuary and just begin to give them a word. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, angels are molting. The angels are molting. They don't molt. Gold teeth. It's just, it's insane. Yeah, totally right. Triggered the prophetic theology. That's right. We will mount up with wings like eagles, and how could we do it unless we had eagle feathers falling down? Yep, dream interpretations. People want to get on dream interpretation. You know, if you're a Bible school student, I heard a story of Bible school students in California that we're actually trying to become more like Jesus. And all this is not a joke. I am not making a joke. Somebody had to like bring correction to them. They were practicing walking through walls. To be more like Jesus. And really it just caused a lot of bruises on the heads. Because nobody was getting through the walls. You could run really, really fast and break through the drywall. But... People were not getting through the walls. And so I'm just like, dude, why the weirdness? What is going on? I'm not even joking, Matt. People trying to walk through walls. Oh, still mortal. Oh, still mortal. Yeah, and Liz, that's what I'm saying. Like prophetic classes. See, See, here's the thing that I don't get. I realize that in the Old Testament, there was a school of the prophets. I get that. I've written about it. Um, But remember something too, Liz, for things like these um, prophetic classes and stuff. Um, The Old Testament men and women of God didn't have the full scripture. They had what they had at the time. But they, don't ha- they didn't have all that we have. 
They didn't have all that we have. They didn't have the full scripture, the full canon of scripture. They also didn't have the ability to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, right? They could not be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so uh, the other thing is, is they couldn't be led by the Spirit for that reason. Now we have the full counsel of God's word, full scripture. We have the Holy Ghost in every, in every believer, the Bible teaches, every believer. And we have the ability to be led by the Spirit. When we talk about prophetic classes, I don't know how I feel about all these people like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to do a prophetic activation service. It's like, I don't, what do you think? That somebody has like a hidden switch on their back that the prophet can reach back there and boom, just activated your prophetic. And it's like every believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit has the potential to operate in any of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be activated. The activation is when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's the activation. That's the switch being flipped on. That's the empowerment that you were believing for. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so that's why I'm always kind of uh, uh, just a little bit weirded out is, I, you know, probably a harsh way to say it by prophetic classes and prophetic activation services. It's like you don't need to activate anybody. You teach them what the scripture says about operating in the Holy Ghost, which is what they may be doing. You know, I, I've not been there, so I'm not passing judgment. I'm saying you just teach what the scripture says about operating in the Holy Spirit. You build the faith of the person. You get them filled with the Holy Ghost. And then you, you do what the Bible says to do. You lay hands on the sick. You trust God to be led by the Spirit. If he gives you a word, speak it out. But you don't go around <clears throat> practicing giving words to people. Because what do you do when it's the wrong word the first 14 times? So, are you going to tell them when you're done? No, that, sorry, that was just a practice. That was not a word for your life. Do not act on that word. It's like that's when the stuff gets weird. It's, it's why not just, exactly, AJ, why not just study the word, pray, and fast, and you're activated to do what God's called you to do. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get saved, and then you read the word, you obey the word. And you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to be some weird manifestation every time. Are you trying to draw glory to yourself or to Jesus Christ? I often wonder that with many of these, uh, many of these people. Are you trying to, trying to draw attention to yourself or to Jesus Christ? And that, and that really needs to be the question we're asking. Is what I'm doing bringing me glory or is it bringing the Lord glory? Because he's the one that's worthy of all the glory, all the praise. He's the one that's worthy of all the honor. We give him all the glory. And so I'm, in, I'm saying this to you because we see so much of this now. I get, I get stuff on my social media all the time from people. Have you heard of this guy? What do you think about this? Why does this seem weird to me? I don't know how I feel in my spirit about this. I had a check in my spirit. Yes, I get those messages. And there's a reason you're getting a check in your spirit. It's because the stuff is not of the Holy Spirit. And it's all right to test the spirits to see if they be from God or not. It's all right to check it back against the word of God. It's very true. Alex said the attention grabbing doesn't even usually work. Most of these churches are still running under a hundred people. It's exactly right because they don't win souls. They don't disciple people. They don't keep people. 
It's just what happens. So the key being, <laughs> Matt said, I'm headed to the beach today. I got to practice walking on water. I understand. That's where they're at. But the key being, you bring attention to Christ, but you're pushing. We're pushing for the manifestations of God's presence on the earth. What we've seen in scripture to see it come to pass again and again and again and again. I'm not bored. Let me tell you something. I don't need some new manifestation to get excited about Holy Ghost Christianity again. I don't need it. I'm excited when I see people get saved. I don't care how many times I see people get saved, receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. It excites me to see people coming out of darkness and into his marvelous light. To see people being raised out of their deadness and trespasses and in sins. I'm excited about that. Every time the altar, last night, once again in Miami, the altar was packed. The altar was packed with people repenting, giving their heart to Jesus Christ. And that excites me. I don't care how many times I see it. It excites me when people get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. It excites me. I don't care how many times I see it. When people get healed, last night, my father prayed for a woman who had a cancerous tumor on her breast. Hear me. She came early to receive prayer. My father spoke with her. The pastor spoke with her. She sat on the front row to receive prayer. She had a cancerous tumor on her breast. Doctor said she has cancer. And there it is. My father called her out, prayed for her. She reaches. He said, if you're not embarrassed, check right now to see what Jesus did. And she stuck her hand right into her bra and, and, and started to feel and the tumor was completely gone. You talk about somebody getting uh, excited. This woman got excited. She started screaming. She started jumping up and down. She ran around the church a couple times. She's hugging people. She's getting, she turned to my mom. She said, I feel like I just won the lottery. She, I mean, instantly the tumor, the cancer is gone. It's gone. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. I get excited when people get healed. I get excited when Jesus does what he has always done. It doesn't get old. Doesn't get old. You know, that service couldn't have been any better if we had feathers. Couldn't have been better if we also had gold dust. Couldn't have been better if we smelled the rose of Sharon just afterward. No. That is what we came to see. God saving souls. God healing the sick. God bringing deliverance by his Holy Spirit. That's exactly what we want to see. That doesn't get old to me. Doesn't get old to see people get discipled. Doesn't get old to see people delivered from addictions. Doesn't get old to watch these things take place. That's the Holy Spirit at work doing what he does. By the power of his spirit and by the power of the word of God. And so I'm telling you, it's time to get even more hungry than we've ever been. It's time to get even more thirsty than we've ever been. To press in harder than we ever have before for the true manifestations of the Holy Spirit. To watch God do the impossible in our lives, in our families. And I know there's people watching me because I get your prayer requests. I know there's people watching me that you are believing for miracles in your family. You are, you got children that need to be saved. You've got grandkids that aren't serving God. You're battling sickness in your body. 
You're battling these things. Some people watching, they're battling addiction. I had a lady come up to me recently. She said, I smoke a pack a day. I love the Lord, but I need to be delivered. And she said, I need him to help me uh, even with my desire, Brother Ted. She said, because I don't even desire to be free. She said, but I really know I need to be. She just approached me last week. She said, pray for me. I smoke a pack a day. I don't even want to be free, but I know I need to be free. Pray that God will give me the desire and set me free. I know there's people struggling with addictions. I get that. I get that. And so, I want to pray for you today and believe that March is your month of miracles in Jesus' name. March is your month of miracles. So would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I'm asking you, by your power today, to do what you've always done. You never change. You're the Lord God. You do not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, today I'm asking you to touch your precious people. Lord, today, if they're struggling in their physical body, sickness and disease has overtaken them, I ask you now, let healing virtue flow through their body. Make them whole by your power and take all the glory for everything you're doing. Lord, I ask you now, for those that are battling uh, in their minds and they can't seem to get free, many battling heavy oppression, heavy fear, heavy suicidal thoughts, Lord, set them free today by the power of the Holy Ghost and give them peace and joy. Set them on their purpose. I pray for those believing for children and grandchildren to be saved. Let this be a day of household salvation. Let this month end with rejoicing because of household salvation in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I pray that you would give us a supernatural wisdom, give us discernment like we've never had to know what is true, what is false. Open our eyes in the spirit realm, keep us clear, keep us safe from every wicked and deceptive work of the devil in these final hours. Lord, let us see your word and understand it and give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let our lives please you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We thank you and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We call it done in Jesus' name. If you receive it, throw some fire in the comments section and start to give God thanks and praise wherever you're at. God's already working. You may not even be able to see it yet, but God's working. God's working behind the scenes. Get ready for the best days you've ever seen in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, Lenin. Amen. I'm excited. We're getting ready uh, right after this broadcast is over uh, to film more television. This television's going around the world. And uh, I'm very excited about that. And more stations continue to open up. People want us to go on different uh, television networks now that they're seeing the program. And we're already reaching into 180 nations of the world. Uh, people are seeing the, the broadcast en masse. People are responding. People are being saved. And um, it's really exciting to know that the, the impact that we're able to make, it blows my mind, that from this studio, we're able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ literally around the world. And you're a part of that. When you sow into this ministry, you're playing a part into what this ministry is doing in the last days before Christ comes, before it's too late, before Jesus comes back. And so uh, maybe you're watching for the first time. Maybe you're, you're a normal, regular watcher every single day who we, we love that you're on every day with us. But I want to encourage you because uh, this message needs to be preached 
The Bible says the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth and then the end will come. And so I want you to pray today about standing with me and Carolyn in partnership. Maybe you've never taken a step to do that before, but I want you to pray today and ask the Lord, am I to join myself to this ministry financially and through prayer? And Lord, am I to be one of the thousand that are standing with them and believing God to shake this generation? And I'm asking you as the Lord speaks to you to step out by faith and do what he's leading you to do. For some of you, that might be, you know, $250 a month, $100 a month, $85 a month. There's others that are sowing largely $1,000, $750 a month. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. On the screen, you can see the ways that you can sow your seed. You can always go to miracleword.com and click on the Give tab in the menu, uh, and you can see all of the ways to sow. All the digital platforms are there, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, uh, hashtag donate you can use on Facebook or Twitter. Um, we're even accepting cryptocurrency now, which you can do through the website. And uh, if you'd like to sow using Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, any of those, you can sow uh, through cryptocurrency now as well. And uh, if you have extremely great faith and would like to write a check and put it in the mail, our address is at the bottom of every page of the website. People think I'm messing around when I say that stuff. I just got to sit and eat with uh, two of our partners yesterday. And I remember he sent me a message in February. He was like, thank you so much for this. And he sent me a picture. It was the Christmas tree or one of the, one of the Christmas trees that we had mailed on December the 1st. December the 1st. And it got into his hands just before Valentine's Day. You think I'm joking. But for some reason, the post office seems to be very slow. But if you've got that kind of faith and you like to, for some reason, just drop a check in the mail, we say thank you. And uh, for those that are sowing in partnership for the month of March, we want to send this book by Brother Hagen, I Believe in Visions, a faith-building, eye-opening book. Those that are standing with us at the $250 mark, we're going to send you on top of that a book entitled The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread. I love this book, Dr. Richard Booker. Uh, it gives you a, a revelation of the gospel message of redemption going through the entire Bible. And then finally, for those that are sowing $1,000, we're going to include with that the Net Bible with full notes, 60,000 translators notes in one Bible. I, I use it all the time. I love it. It's this right here. This is the Net Bible full notes edition. And uh, one of the resources, by the way, that we're going to be using during the uh, Bible Study Made Simple program that starts very soon. Throw that slide up one more time. It's coming and I'm excited about it. Bible study made simple. Spring enrollment starts March 28th through April the 10th. It's $15 a month. It's affordable so that you can be a part of it. You can do it at your leisure. It's gonna be awesome. I cannot wait to get started on this. People are gonna be very, very helped by this program. You're gonna love it. I love you guys very much. I'm gonna shoot some television. We're putting more programs out. It's going around the world. And uh, I'll be back again with you tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Have a wonderful and a powerful day. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.